0: this like white mist thing came out of the wall right next to the head of housekeeping's door looked both directions down the hallway and then proceeded up the staircase which that's where i was standing when they told us this story and i was like "Eh." did you see that (gasps) what
1: yeah what is this
0: Oh my gosh, what's going on? This is the part that's scary because nothing's happening. (laughs) Oh Oh my gosh. No. No. That was creepy. That was scary. That was scary. It's time for (laughs) girls and ghouls. Okay, let's talk about it. Okay, so we decided to hit record because Aaron is about to tell a story, and I felt like it is one of those that needs to be recorded because right before we hit record, we both said, I don't want crabs. I don't want crabs. Yeah. I don't want crabs. I don't know anybody who wants crabs. Yeah. Nobody wants crabs. I, in particular,
1: do not want crabs, and this is how this story goes. <laughs> okay. So, I have earned myself a reputation for taking in animals in need, right? hmm And this Halloween crab came up as, like, in need. And I was like, no, I don't want this crab. And I tried to, like, help the girl out and send some, like, information and stuff. And didn't hear back about it. And then... Somebody else got in touch with me, and it just ended up being this whole, like, rigmarole where they were like, what about, like, a temporary foster situation? And I was like, okay. So, (laughs) I met this girl in a parking lot of a gas station to pick up this crab that she had living in a bucket. Oh, God. Because, I know, living in a bucket. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) And And... I had this long conversation with her because she was like, Well, I got it for my husband and he's scared of it. And, you know, we don't have our own place anyway. And, you know, I'm trying to, you know, figure out what to do for him for his birthday. So I think I'm going to get him a a bearded dragon. And I'm like, Lady, if you can't.
0: If you're keeping a crab in a bucket, you don't need a bearded dragon.
1: Right. So, a completely different story for a completely different time, like that whole thing. Because I'm sitting here like, What? So. Get in the car to leave, and I call my husband and I say, "Hey, um, I need your help getting uh, the spare aquarium set up because I just got crab. Uh, I just got a crab from a lady in the gas station parking lot." <laughs> and he was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "It's in a bucket," and he said, "I don't understand. Like, what's happening?" I was like, "I have. We have crabs now." Like just the one though,
0: just one crab. I got crabs so. from a lady in a parking lot, gas station parking lot. A <laughs> oh, gas it's station. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine.
1: It's fine. Yeah. So it ended up being this long conversation of like, well, what, what, what? I don't understand. What are you going to do with a crab? And I'm like, I'm going to put it in a tank and I'm going to feed it good food and I'm going to give it good, you know, water and and then I'm going to find it a new home. And he's like, what does it eat? And I was like. You know, like, nasty stuff, like eggs and, like, vegetables and, you know, I'm, like, going on this list and he was like, this conversation's so weird. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Did I tell you about taking Gideon to the grocery store? No, I have not heard this gem. Oh. Oh, yes, it's a gem. He decided to channel his inner Kevin Bacon. Oh, God. And they were, you know the music that they play in grocery stores? Yeah. It's, like, smooth listening, Uh you know? He got into it, though. He was, like, all excited about this song. And he's walking around, and he'd stop, and he'd do the little robot arm. <laughs> and then he'd, like, spin around. And at one point, he looks at me, like, grim[s] realizes that there's, like, a whole crowd of people at the end of the aisle, takes off running, falls onto his knees, and slides oh, while, like, God. shaking his butt at the same time. And I was like, he's Kevin Bacon. <laughs>
0: I love that kid. Oh, like, my what God, is happening? That's
1: hysterical. I've got so many videos of him walking around, like, flailing. <laughs> like, what is happening? We just really love grocery store
0: music. Yes, It's like 80s, late 80s, early 90s, smooth jazz.
1: Smooth jazz. Yeah, it's like the instrumental version. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's like elevator music. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's hilarious. It's better than the the nail salon. The nail salon thinks that we listen to nothing but um, Barry Manilow and Karen Carpenter. I mean, they're not wrong. That's what I listen to most of the time. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I at least like to pretend I'm cool. And when I go get my nails done, I'm the only like person under the age of like 50 who's in there bopping along to Barry Manilow. <laughs> All the other girls are like, <sighs> yeah. I'm like, Copa. Okay, I'll hold this hand still, but i got to dance with the other one.
0: My dancing hand. Oh my goodness. Your dancing so, hand.
1: That's is my dancing hand. So, welcome back, friends. Yeah. Howdy doody. This is Girls and Ghouls, and we are clearly talking about ghosts and scary
0: things right now. Yeah. So, um, if you are not in our Facebook group, you didn't hear this announcement, but our last... Episode apparently was cursed. It was possessed.
1: Yeah, there's one. So weird. I still, I still have to play you the one part though because there's one part of the episode where it sounds like you're going. Sorry, I want to tell you this <laughs> <laughs> It's like amazing. That's and so weird. I tried to fix it, except there, it glitched out so bad that it like it did it more than once, like. You were almost like you were stuck in, like, a glitch. Like, I, 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 you were stuttering really bad. <laughs> oh, my you were gosh, like, really? Yeah, and I was like, maybe I can edit that down. Nope. No.
0: <laughs> it's
1: just, and I didn't hear it whenever we were recording. Like, it didn't do that when we were recording. But the right. thing is, is mine would do it, too. At some point, the timing went whoop. So you'd be talking about something, and I would say something that, like, I would respond to something. Right dead in the center of your sentence, like I'd be like, Oh my gosh, and you'd be like <laughs> talking about like and then there were trees. it was so, and I'd go and like, okay, I'm gonna line it up again and I'd line it up, and it would be out of alignment elsewhere. That's it was so like the weird. haunted episode,
0: hey, so I have some fun stuff to show some fun stuff i'll 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 tease like I'll do a little bit a little bit every episode, so okay, fun fact. I get the Dollar Shave club that's where I get my razor blades yeah. from, and every time we get an order they send us this little publication that they create that's called your bathroom reader (laughs) see look it's a little book so the october one was all about all about dead uh, deadness okay death deadness like what happens to your body and stuff and it's there's some really interesting stuff in here some of it's funny so this one i thought was really funny because we've talked about vampires and stuff yes what happens, what really happens to your body after you die? Do my hair and nails keep growing? Despite the myth that your perfectly kempt quaff and fingernails keep sprouting after death, in reality, both stop growing once you die. Boom. Boom. Vampires. Yep. Um, it's an optical illusion caused by your skin shrinking back as your fluids dry up. As the skin dries, they just appear to grow. So... When they found that vampire dude and he had long fingernails and long hair, that's not normal. Not normal. Oh, man. That makes me think of that
1: one story. Oh, I have a good vampire story to tell later. I'll
0: have to remember. Okay. And this question is funny to me. Uh, Am I going to poop my pants? (laughs) Oh, if being creamed to death by a speeding ice cream truck wasn't humiliating enough, you may be due for one more indignity after you die. Pooping can, can often happen after death, because the part of your brain that keeps your butthole tight <laughs> is no longer going to be working. If you've got one in the chamber ready to go when the Reaper visits, unfortunately, it's brown trousers time. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's a brown owl, Erin. Yep. Code Brown. Code Brown. Apparently your body makes sounds after you die too. Which is funny. Uh from from both ends. Air trapped in the lungs can be forced out when moving or shifting the deceased, causing the vocal cords to vibrate, creating a moan after death, or a fart if you're a tad gassy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> it's so fun. So fun. <laughs> so fun. So there's all kinds of little tidbits and nuggets in this little magazine. So I'll share a few of them. That's on the next episode. Too. That's morbid. It, it's pretty funny. <laughs> here's here's a link, here's a link. An article it says you can't spell funeral without fun. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I love it so much. Jeez. That's one of the things that we all have in common. We all die right. at some point. Yeah. So why not learn what happens to your body as you're dead and then decomposing? Gross. Why not? Right? It's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful subject. Well, let's start another podcast. Yeah. Thanks Dollar Shave Club for educating us. <laughs> this episode wasn't even sponsored. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> I've been holding on to that little booklet just to save share some of the stuff on here because it's it's funny funny. I love it (laughs) oh my god so uh are we gonna you want to get scary yeah I guess I don't even know who goes first I think you're going first oh do I I think so okay well I can I can go first do it so um hold on do I have the right paper yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I printed, well, I printed two stories because we're doing two today, and I wasn't really sure which one was which. So, yeah, I'm good. It would help if I label them mm-hmm. at the top, but I don't. Eh, we like a little it's bit of fine. a, you know, guessing
1: game. A little mystery. A little mystery. It's fine.
0: Surprise. Even yeah. for you. That's right. You're <laughs> like, oh, this is what I'm talking about. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> um, so, a quick little backstory. The day before Halloween, my daughter and a friend of hers and myself went to the Fox Theater in downtown Atlanta for a ghost tour, and it was super cool, really interesting. It was, like, all the historical aspects of the theater and of Mr. Fox himself. Not fantastic Mr. Fox. It wasn't him. Um... (laughs) Although that would have been really interesting, that would have if made so just come out and been like, hey guys, "Hey guys, let me tell you about my theater." This
1: would have been an entirely different episode—the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one about talking animals. Yeah, oh it would God. have
0: been better if George Clooney had done it because he was the character in the Wes Anderson movie. Mm. Anyway, um, so I decided to put all of my notes together and tell you guys the story of the fox theater in atlanta because it is legitimately haunted as i learned on our tour nice yeah um so in 1849 the property where the fox theater sits was part of a 400 acre farm owned by mr richard peters and in 1863 the site became known as fortification k which was one of the defensive posts of the confederate states of america's armed forces established to defend the city from the invasion of the Union Army under the command of General Sherman. Um, Sometime in the 1880s, there was a house built on the property for Colonel Willis E. Reagan, not related to Ronnie. Oh. (laughs) Totally different Reagans. Um, On the corner of Peachtree and Kimball Streets, and the house was designed to be a showplace mansion with magnificent gardens. Ooh, fancy. The so fancy. So fancy his wife Anna he and his wife Anna had three boys and shortly after she gave birth to her third child she passed away Anna was very fond of the gardens she was always out clipping flowers to put in the house that sort of thing it was a very sad time um let's see uh 1889 there were 32 knights templar and scottish Rite masons who got together and decided to create a temple shrine on this property out of that mansion um a man named henry stockdale who founded the capital city club he spearheaded the group there was the ancient arabic order of the nobles of the mystic shrine I mean, that's I feel a... like they could have shortened that just a little bit. That's mouthful. Yeah, that's a lot to remember. Yeah. What do you do? I'm, uh, you know, skip it. It's skip fine. it. doesn't matter. <laughs> the ancient Arabic order of the nobles of the mystic shrine, <laughs> or more commonly referred to as the Shriners, Shriners. what we know oh. today as the people who, like, collect money at four-way stops. Got it. <laughs> that's what they do. Um, they wanted a, Mid- a Middle Eastern theme. And they wanted to have meeting halls that they would call temples or mosques. Mm-hmm. And they wanted them all over the country. Oh, big <clears throat> dreams. Yeah, and they were starting them right here in Atlanta. Fancy. Um, so in 1925, the Yarab Temple begins to formalize their plans for their mosque. They had a competition for designing the architecture. And they wanted to quote, out Baghdad, Baghdad. A lofty dreams. That was their dreams. their plans, yeah uh very ambitious plans they wanted to include much more than a clubhouse for the sh- the shriners they wanted to also have a civic auditorium capable of seating up to 7500 people holy smokes yeah um in 1927 they announced the uh local architectural firm i don't know how you say this guy's name so it doesn't matter um bob but anyway they they were like you guys win congratulations And then the the architectural firm appointed this guy named Oliver Venor. Mm -hmm. He was a young, an up-and-coming architect, and he's the one who did the full design. Um, If you have never seen the Atlanta Fox Theater or, like, pictures of it or anything, it is absolutely stunning. And everywhere you look, there's nods to the Middle Eastern culture. There's, like, sphinxes and those, like, big beetles carved into the wall and... Um, Just, it's very opulent and gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. So he actually had never been to the Middle East. He used library books to get inspiration for the design. Oh my gosh, how cool. Um, Yeah, but it was so impressive that he became a junior partner at this firm and he went on to design the Atlanta Railroad Terminal Building, the Atlanta City Hall, and the Southern Bell Headquarters in Atlanta. The temple then entered into negotiations with Fox Films, corporation theater division and they wanted to have a long-term lease on the civic auditorium fox vice president saul rogers saw potential and great benefits to having a fox theater in atlanta so in 1928 the yarub temple and fox theater signed a 21-year lease on the civic auditorium and finally june 14th 1928 they laid the cornerstone of the property despite the stock market crash the following year in 1928 the fox theater opened on time 18 months after the cornerstone was laid On Christmas Day, 1929, admission prices ranged from 15 cents to 75 cents. There were two shows that day. The first was a matinee, followed by a grand opening premiere gala that evening, and in both showings, they played Steamboat Willie with Mickey Mouse. Nice. (laughs) That was part of their show that day. Um, Over the years, the Fox changed ownership several times. Uh, The profits were kind of up and down over the course of, you know, several years, decades, whatever, as the market would go up and down. Um, And there were also a lot of different rules and regulations on the entertainment industry by the U.S. government that affected the profits and the showings and everything at the theater. Um, In 1974, the Atlanta Fox was actually going to be demolished. Um, Southern Bell Telephone Company wanted to buy it. And turn it into a parking lot. Why? It's really sad. Yeah, it's really sad because that's such, it's such a beautiful, huge building and it's, now it's, you know, a landmark of Atlanta. And yeah. Just the fact that they were like, yeah, we don't care. We're gonna just, you know, whatever. Um, People found out about it and they went ballistic. They were like, no, you're not doing this to the Fox Theater. So, Um, A group of high schoolers actually spearheaded a campaign to save the fox, and uh, they raised enough money to save it. They got 150,000 people sign a petition demanding the fox to be saved, and um, there was also a nationwide outpouring of support for the fox. A lot of the people who had performed there started championing, 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 there we go, (laughs) championing, (laughs) championing they started going save the fox that's what they did (laughs) championing um fun fact though the final show that was performed there before the proposed demolition was leonard skinnard and uh when they were about to take the stage uh ronnie van zant turned around to his band and he said play it pretty for atlanta and they have now they've written those words above the stage entrance which i think is pretty cool I love that. Um, That's such a sweet like tribute. Yeah, yep, he knew they'd be the last one if it was going to be demolished. Aww. So play it pretty for Atlanta. I love it. Yep. Um, May seventeenth of nineteen seventy four, the Fox was placed on the National Register of Historic Places, and Atlanta Mayor Maynard Jackson announced an eight month moratorium on the issuance of a demolition permit to be used for raising the Fox Theater. And it allowed time for Atlanta landmarks to come up with a plan and financing options to save the Fox. So finally, what happened was basically there was there's something called the Fox block because the Fox theater is so huge that it takes up this massive block, a full city block. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically what happened was there was a piece of property just behind the Fox theater. So Atlanta landmark and Southern Southern Bell were like, let's just trade. You guys can have the Fox. We'll take the property and put our parking lot there. Everybody's happy. Whatever. So that's what they did. Nice. Um, October 29th, 1975, they had a benefit concert for the Fox with Linda Ronstadt. And from that performance until today, they have always consistently had a profit. Wow. <clears throat> yep. So we got to go into the belly of the beast on our tour and it was really cool they took us through all these like nooks and crannies and doors that I'd never noticed before and whatever and they told us all these different stories we went into the dressing rooms we went into the freight elevator we went into the boiler room we even got to go under the stage and on the stage of the Fox Theater and it was such a cool experience to see all of that Um, but during our tour as we went through these different spaces they told us things that had happened there and different ghosts that people have seen over the years so Mm -hmm. it was really interesting um the first place that we went we went into the men's lounge which there's a men's lounge and a women's lounge very beautiful there's a bar in the men's lounge (laughs) they can just go and hang out and get a drink and whatever smoke their cigars and we met mr fox and he told us the history of the fox Theater. And we found out that he often appears there in the men's lounge. Um, He'll just like, you'll smell his cigar smoke and he's just kind of hanging out. He likes to hang out in his own place. That was apparently of all the Fox theaters across the country. Atlanta was the first one, first of all. And they, that was his favorite. Um, We also found out that the Atlanta Fox theater was the very first theater in the country to play talkies, which are movies with sound in them. Oh. So, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, because normally before that, you know, it was the silent films, and you'd have somebody in the theater playing piano to go along with it and whatever, and you'd have the words dubbed on the screen. So, then talkies were invented, and that's what we have today. Awesome. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. That was cool. Oh, and also, fun fact, the Fox Theater in Atlanta had air conditioning, central air, and heating before the White House did. What? <laughs> that is fancy. Yeah. Mhm. It was very fancy. They spared no expense building this place. It's amazing. Um so after we went through the men's lounge, we went down this little narrow hallway taking us through the office area. And uh there's a lot of doors for different offices. There's like the head of housekeeping and the janitorial people and the security people and whatever. That's where all their offices are. And uh Three years ago, on the security camera, they have footage, which I can put in the Facebook group so you guys can see it, but this, like, white mist thing came out of the wall right next to the head of housekeeping's door, looked both directions down the hallway, and then proceeded up the staircase, which that's where I was standing when they told us this story, and I was like, (laughs) We're like, no! I don't want to get eaten. Cause no, that's a, but man, I mean you is. can clearly see on the video, you can see it like go up the stairs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's it's crazy. crazy. I love it. Um then we went to the dressing rooms upstairs. Um now the Fox Theater in Atlanta has played host to everybody from Elvis to the Rolling Stones to, you know, all the different theater troupes and the off-Broadway productions and Prince performed his last performance of his life at the Atlanta Fox Theater. Um, tons and tons of people have been through the Fox. So we got to go up to the dressing rooms and see where they all hang out. And we learned some cool stories and some history up there. They've actually taken, they, they have, because this is a national uh, historical place, this is part theater and part museum. So in their basement, their sub-basement, they actually have file cabinets full of every event poster for every event that has ever occurred at the Fox. And they're signed by the people who were in the performances. That's awesome. Can you imagine how much money that's worth? Like all those signatures. So what they did several years ago is they took some of the more popular ones and they made it into a wallpaper Mm -hmm. and it's wallpapered on one of the dressing rooms. So it's all the different posters with the signatures on them as wallpaper. And then in the other, one of the other dressing rooms, they had the community come together and give them copies of their, or their original ticket stubs from different events over the years. And they made that into a wallpaper. So there's like all these different tickets for different events that were playing at the Fox. And um, one of the ticket stubs says the cockroaches. And we learned that, Um, several years ago, people saw this event and it was advertised on the Fox and the tickets were only $10 and they were like, okay, we'll go to an event. You know, nobody knows who the cockroaches are, but it's 10 bucks for an event at the Fox. We'll go. And it ended up being the Rolling Stones. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So people got to go see the Rolling Stones at the Fox for 10 bucks. like, that's pretty cool. Oh my gosh. Um, while we were up in one of the dressing rooms in dressing room 42, we met Anna Reagan. Now, I mentioned that the Reagan family lived on the property Mm -hmm. before it was the Fox Theater, and Anna was the wife of the colonel, and she passed away after her son, her third son, was born. Mm -hmm. And she is very often seen in that dressing room. She just really likes to hang out up there and meet all the stars. And uh, there was a, at one time, there was a stagehand who used to see her very often and he became so enamored with her that he would bring her a bouquet of amaryllis, which was her favorite flower every year on her birthday. And I just think that's so sweet. I love that. (laughs) So so she'll just hang out up there. Sometimes you'll meet her. Um, another cool story about one of the dressing rooms, there's a dresser with the mirror and whatever, and they have people sign the drawers, like they'll open the drawer and sign it. Mm -hmm. And Every star that comes through, they sign the drawers. So they have, like, a whole storage unit of drawers because it'll fill up with signatures and they'll have to put new ones in. Yeah. So they keep all the drawers that have all the different signatures in there. Oh, wow. Um. Yeah. And we. she was telling us, our tour guide was telling us about all the different weird stuff that celebrities ask for in their riders. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like – like Yul Brenner wanted the whole entire dressing room painted a really dark brown because he was a germaphobe and he could easily see fingerprints on the wall if it was painted that color. <laughs> Which I feel like that's Erin. If we me. ever start traveling for the show, that's what she's gonna do. She's like paint it dark brown so right. I can see the right. fingerprints. Yeah, br- dark brown. That's what <laughs> I want, and lots of Germex. Yeah, lots of Germex. All the Germex. And Janet Jackson. Jana Jackson asks for a bowl of green M&Ms to be left on her dressing table. And I guess she figures that if you've taken time to pay attention to that little detail, then you've taken the time to do everything else. There we go. So, yeah, lots of fun little stories there of all the different writers and stuff. Man. Um, I feel like I would be, yeah. like, easy to please, though. Like, with,
1: like I've, I've read some of these lists before, and they're, like, insane. And I'm just like, yeah. have a comfortable chair for me. Have some tea for me. And some sort of, like, refreshing blend of salty and sweet snack. And I'll be good. Yeah. I'm happy. That's all I need. Yeah.
0: I'd, want, I'd want sweet tea. Mm-hmm. Maybe some chicken nuggets. Yeah. Definitely some Reese's Pieces. Yeah. For sure. We just yeah. want some food. Just feed us. And and maybe, like, I don't know, a kitten or a yeah. puppy to like play with. like a therapy animal. Yeah, just... To hang out. Just and to that's hang it. Out. That's all. That's I'd be good. Mm-hmm. That's all we need. So keep that in
1: mind, people.
0: Because you <laughs> want right. us to go
1: live in places.
0: Write that down. Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> easy riders. Easy riders. Easy, easy. If there's a Chick Fil A around, they'll take care of pretty much everything. Yeah, have, you them want <laughs> have them cater. Anyways, have them cater. Yeah, that's it. Um. Okay. So we went down to the sub basement. And that's where the boiler room is. And I have to be honest with you. Like, I didn't see or experience anything the whole time we were there. But when we walked into that boiler room, you just get this, like, creepy vibe. Yeah. It's just, it's a totally different atmosphere. It's really dark and shadowy down there and kind of damp. And it's just, I didn't like it. I didn't like it down there. No. Um, there is a man named Roosevelt. Who used to be an employee there. And back in the day, the heat was supplied by coal and Mm -hmm. it had to be kept going constantly. Right. And so he pretty much lived in the boiler room and he was always in charge of making sure that there was heat going in the boiler Mm -hmm. and always coal being put in there and whatever. And apparently he's still there. He loved his job so much that he stuck around after he died in 1945. And the People who are on maintenance staff to this day claim that he's still down there and he's a bit of a prankster. Oh, <sighs> There's a room. So when you first walk in, it's the giant room with the air conditioner unit in it. And then there's a storage room that used to be used for storing all the coal floor to ceiling. And the ceilings are still, the walls are still stained black from all the coal and they just use it as storage now. And then on the other side of that, there's another room and that's where the heater is. And that storage room is completely shut off from anything else. So if you close both of those doors and turn the light off, it is as black as black can possibly be. It's dark, dark, dark. Yeah. Well, people get shut in there a lot. (laughs) Roosevelt likes to close the doors and turn the lights out and run away. And he thinks it's funny because he'll laugh. And there's also a little girl who will laugh. They don't know where the little girl came from. They don't know who she is. But she's a bit of a prankster, too. And she will giggle. And she will move stuff after you've already placed it where it's supposed to be. And she'll just keep doing that like it's a game. Oh, my gosh. And she thinks it's hysterical. It's so annoying. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Roosevelt's a little creepy sometimes just because, you know, if you're, apparently it's like if you disturb him, maybe he's in there working. <laughs> he thinks he's working and you disturb him. He'll slam doors and he'll hit things to make loud noises and he'll turn the lights off and he'll shut you into these, you know, storage rooms and stuff no. where it's completely pitch black dark. Nope. <laughs> nope.
1: Nope. Yeah. Don't shut in I wouldn't, wouldn't want to
0: be, I wouldn't want to be closed into these places. Like I said, they're very dark. They're very damp. Yeah. And even like walking in and walking out, there was one particular spot where at the same time both going in and coming out, my daughter and I both stopped and looked at each other because we both just felt something. So, yeah, the little girls in there, too. Um, we wrapped up by going onto the stage, which was amazing, by the way, just to stand on the stage and, like, see the view of the theater from that perspective because, you know, unless you're a performer, you don't really know what that looks like. Um And so we wrapped up on the stage and while we were there, we learned about something that's pretty common in the theater called the ghost light. And I had never heard of the ghost light, but apparently theaters that have live performances, they all have a ghost light and nobody really knows the origin of the ghost light, but basically they keep this light on anytime there's not an active performance at the theater so, when the performers leave, they turn the ghost light on, and that's the only light left on in the whole theater, and they leave. Um, some people believe it's to give the spirits of the theater a well lit place to perform, and others believe it's to ward off spirits. Oh. Nobody really knows. But it's called a ghost light because it has something to do with ghosts. I He's don't got know. Ghostly but, uh,
1: lighting for their ghostly performances. Ghostly
0: lighting. Yeah, it's just one of those big theater spotlight things. Hmm. Shining on the whole stage, but um, yeah, so that's uh, that's the Fox Theater in Atlanta. It's pretty stinking cool. That is cool. I gotta say. The history yeah. of that
1: building alone makes
0: it just
1: awesome to hear about mm-hmm. because you wouldn't expect it to have so much of that behind it, you know. Yeah, I don't know why it yeah. just never struck me that it would have so much going on with it as a theater, so
0: but I love yeah, it. it's pretty neat. I mean you know the fact that it was a farm and then it was used in the war and all this other stuff i mean that's that's just pretty cool but yeah there's a there's a lot of things that go on there and you know Pretty much everybody who has been an employee there at some point has had some kind of experience that they just can't explain. Whether they believe in ghosts or not, there's just something that they've experienced, you know.
1: How cool would it be if they all like put together their experiences and turned it into like
0: a book or something? I know, I'd read that. The ghosts of the Fox, or something. Oh like my that. gosh, I love that idea. It's pretty neat business idea. I love
1: send this to the Fox. I know.
0: <laughs> I love the cigar smoke in the men's lounge. Yeah. Like people smell Mr. Fox's cigar. Yeah. I don't I don't love the boiler room though. I really like it just feels icky down there. I don't like places like that as it stands, haunted or mm-hmm. not. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's not a pleasant place to be. No. And had I not been with a group of about twenty other people, I probably would have just like looked in and been like, Okay, I'm good. I'm around Thanks. peace gonna move on down the hallway oh my gosh yeah. but it was very cool to see under the stage all of the like pulleys and stuff that will raise and lower that platform yeah for different performances it was really cool to see that and it was really cool to be on the stage and see what it looks like behind where they perform you know where there's not like if there's no props or anything up you can't you can see all the brick and the ropes that control the curtains and like all that stuff. It was just very cool to yeah. be able to see that.
1: It sounds so cool to be able to go and just like see everything that goes into yeah. performances and whatnot. And I'm glad you yeah, didn't get possessed awesome. or eaten
0: by any yeah, ghosts me too. or anything like me that. Me too. I mean, Same. Yeah. A, I'll put pictures up though from our tour yeah. and I'll put the video up from that security camera so yes. you can see the little up. go on up the stairs. I don't know. I don't like that. I don't know it's weird. Is I mean, weird. it's on their security footage. Yeah, like it legit happened. No. They said it like it's only like seven seconds, mm-hmm. and it's only when it goes up the stairs that you see. But they said before that, like it was intelligently turning to look in either direction before wow. it crossed and went up the stairs.
1: Oh my gosh! It's so weird. That's I wonder who so it weird. was. I don't know, but I want to know, too. Like, let's go ask. Let's go back, and we'll light a candle or something and be like, who are you?
0: Who are you? Tell us your name. Talk to me.
1: It'll be something weird, like Fredward.
0: (laughs) Fredward?
1: Fredward. (laughs) Like, hello, this is Fredward.
0: Fredward. (laughs) It's such a horrible name how
1: great would it be if there was an evp that picked it up just like that it was just like some like ridiculous like hello this is fredward how are you <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, that would be the best ghost know. hunting
1: experience ever
0: so i'm trying to think of where it was like what direction it was heading in because where we were standing was on the main level hmm And it went up the stairs. So it was going like up towards the dressing rooms. Oh. Hmm. Definitely (laughs) Fredward. Definitely. Definitely. That's what it was.
1: He was Fredward, the like lonely stage
0: hand. And he maybe so, and he was in love with Anna Reagan, Mm -hmm. and he's the one who used to bring her flowers, and now he too has passed on, and they will be together forever. How romantic, isn't it? I love it. (laughs) What if she like comes to see him, and she's like, "I don't even like these freaking flowers. Gosh, they're not my favorite." Who told you this? (laughs) Told you this? Because honestly, honestly, how would you know? Yeah. As a stagehand, how would you know that that's her favorite flower? How would you know that that's when her birthday is? Mm. That's what I want to know. Maybe she made, like, a big to-do
1: about it. Like, she walked in on her birthday, and she threw confetti for herself, and she's like, hello,
0: my people, it is my birthday. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know. That's what I do. She, I mean, and she gets to see all these performances for free. Yeah. You know what? it kind of made me think of what? that story you told about the hotel where the basketball players go and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if she's hanging out in the dressing room. Cause she's like, Hey, like, how, how we'll you happen? doing? <laughs> <laughs> how you doing? Weird. Wouldn't that be funny? If, that would like be... Elvis had a little fling with Anna Reagan's ghost. Oh my gosh. His phantom girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I
1: can't even. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then she became phantom pregnant. Oh no! By Elvis's baby scandal. (laughs) It's in the Phantom National Enquirer. (laughs) Read all about it. I'd read that. And I totally would. Laugh
1: hysterically.
0: And then Elvis dies, and she's like, "Where's my child support money? Yeah,
1: I want my ghostly child support."
0: (laughs) Oh, oh man, gosh. we could keep going on this. For the, for the whole, the rest of
1: the episode. That's the rest of the episode, right there. We're going to talk about all the needs of ghosts. You guys know this, ghost yeah. rights. That's right. That's what I need
0: to. That's what we need to add to the, to the merch shop. Mm-hmm. Hashtag ghost rights. That's right. Which, if you guys didn't know, we have a merch shop. The merch shop is open. It is. It's over at girls. Tell them how to get to it. Go to
1: girlsandghouls.com. dot com. And you can get merchandise.
0: That's right. Spooky merchandise, too. It's all terrible. You can get that cute little sweet pearl T-shirt that I wore to my ghost store. That's right. Posted it on an Instagram. That's right. Or you can do
1: what I'm doing right now and let the world know that you are a strong, independent woman. And
0: you don't need no ghost man. That's right. <laughs> so head over there. Check it out. Girlsandghouls.com. You must. Tis a necessitation. And pick you up some ghosty merchandise. Get you something. Mm -hmm. I want to, like,
1: get you something nice. Like, flip a a quarter at him. Like, this will pay for nothing. Ding.
0: Ding. (laughs) Won't even cover shipping. (laughs) But that's whatever. It's okay. (laughs) Get yourself some gum.
1: Some gum. Some gum. Not even good gum. Like, juicy fruit.
0: Ew. I know. That's why I said not even good gum. I mean, I like it for thirty seconds.
1: No. See, I don't even like it for thirty seconds. I just don't like it. It's just not
0: it's not happy. It's not joyful. It's happy for thirty seconds. And then it's just not. (sighs) And then it's just that's as long as the juice and the juicy fruit (laughs) last. There's no fruit. (laughs) There's no fruit. There's no fruit. fruit fruit. It's just juicy. Oh, you know what shirt? This is the shirt I'm gonna get next. What? Ask me about my theory on swirling vortexes of pure evil that's the shirt that i want perfect i love it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just want to see i want to see if i if i wear it and if anybody actually asks me like so tell me your theory will you have a theory i mean i theorize that they exist They exist. That's my theory. That's all you need to know. They exist. There are legit swirling vortexes of
1: pure evil. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to get the t-shirt with the little bravery badge that says, I'm wearing my bravery pants. Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing. That's right.
0: There you go. So.
1: Well, that was awesome. done with that
0: story. It was a a fun little tour.
1: It's a fun little tour, and I love it. I'm getting my notes. Because my printer doesn't have any ink still because i didn't get any so i get to use my computer (laughs) need a breather maybe a little distraction no shame we're spooked too here's something you can do in the meantime take a minute to rate and review girls and ghouls in your favorite podcast app every rating and every review helps girls and ghouls continue to share haunting stories from around the world all right break time's over it's time to get scary I was gonna sneeze there don't cry about it gonna... <laughs> no i thought i was gonna sneeze and how great would that have been in the microphone mm, yep that'd be fun, fun. <laughs> that's what i sneeze like <laughs> just like <laughs> <laughs> all right well my story doesn't have a place <laughs> there's no place for me. My... doesn't there's no place for my there's story n- There's no place like home. There's no place like stories that don't have places. (laughs) (laughs) But it's super timely um, because when we had recorded this before, um, we had recorded right after Halloween, and this had been apparently a little bit of um, a thing on Halloween, which I did not know, and it just worked out so well. Um, But my story today is about... The Dybbuk Box. Oh, yes. Yes. I just wish that it had a better name because Dybbuk Box doesn't sound super, I don't know. It sounds like a box of cheese or something. I don't know.
0: It almost sounds like a fake thing that's a spoof of the spoof that Justin Timberlake did. Yes. (laughs) The Christmas thing. Yes, that's exactly what that sounds like. Exactly
1: mm-hmm. what it sounds like, but this is totally a real thing. It's like a legit thing, and it's honestly really scary. And I don't, I don't, it really is. I really don't like the dibic box. So, yeah. and I didn't even write down like dates because these are all pretty recent. Okay, like, oh, we don't even need to talk about some of these dates. So, the dibic box um, made its way into the United States a little while ago. Um, it was purchased by a man named Kevin Manis, and he was an antiques collector and a small business owner. He had like, a, a, like like an antique shop, and the box was sold to him by a young woman who said that it had been owned by her grandmother, who had been a Holocaust survivor, and she gave a little bit of history to this box now in case you've never seen the Dybbuk box this is just a wooden wine box and it's really old and as an antique collector Kevin was really interested he was like oh my goodness this is a beautiful box but the story behind it was that um, after this young woman's grandmother had escaped from uh, a concentration camp or something or being transported to a concentration camp she fled to Spain and she somehow acquired the box. There is nothing about how this box came to be. There's nothing about how she got the box, but she had this box. When she brought it with her to the United States, she had warned her daughter to never, ever, ever open it. The box had been sealed at some point in time in history, and it once it was sealed, it had never been opened again. But she didn't want to let it out of her sight because she said that the box held a type of um, entity called a demon, or called a demon called a dibbock.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of such a demon. What is that? What is a demon? What are those? What are those? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that I'm trying to scan my notes and I saw, I put the definition of dibbock in there and it's like demon, entity, poltergeist, like all these different things. So that's what a dibbock is. A is supposed to be a like demon-like entity, not quite a demon, um, more poltergeist-like. But this is uh, a very old kind of entity. We're talking like like ancient evil here. This is something that they actually bring up in the Bible, which is ultra terrifying to me. Um, especially given that this woman obviously is a Jewish woman that obtained it. She went and got it sealed. And passed it down to her daughter. Her granddaughter gets it and then is like, I don't want this thing. Like, I'm going to sell it. So she obviously doesn't really believe in it completely because she is selling it. But Kevin, hearing the story, is super intrigued by the history and thinks the box is really pretty. It's, I mean, it's just a wooden box. It's a wine box. Um, But he buys it. He buys it simply because it's got a cool story. He doesn't believe the story at all because... I mean, well, I mean, come on. Come on. It doesn't sound super believable. Um, but he brings it home. Or he brings it back with him somewhere. And he does exactly what this girl tells him not to do. And he opens it. Because that's what you do. Thanks, Kevin. Way to go. Way to go. So he opens the cabinet and it has just a random, like, assortment of things in it. It's got a wine goblet A granite slab with the Hebrew word shalom etched into it, a dried rosebud, a candlestick, two pennies from the 1920s, and two locks of human hair bound by cords, by leather cords. This is all in the box. He thinks, hmm, that's weird. But he closes it back up, and that's like what he thinks is the end of it. You know, he's gonna figure out what to do with this thing. So on that same day, strange things start happening. He goes to his, uh, like he, he I guess his house and his shop are like one in the same, like same building. Um, but he leaves to go on an errand and comes back to his shop to find the place being ransacked. Like not, it had been ransacked. It was being ransacked. Nothing was stolen. Um, He said it looks like somebody had been throwing a tantrum in the store. The clerk that worked there for him was terrified. She's like behind the counter, like freaking out because she says that she's watching light bulbs being smashed by themselves. And she hears what sounds like disembodied voices saying very bad words, very naughty words. I mean this would rattle a person um the other thing that they start to notice is that they're finding isolated areas of the shop that smell like jasmine flowers okay wait let's be clear here he smells jasmine flowers she smells cat urine there's no Yummy. cat yeah <laughs> no cat no jasmine such a pleasant smell so you know he calls the cops they'd do what they need to do they check like the cctv and all that crap and there's nobody's broken into the shop like there's nothing like the clerk wasn't responsible for this um but kevin being the bright individual that he is um he does not think anything like there's no like connecting here he's not like oh this is obviously from this demon box that i was told not to open that i opened immediately after i brought it back kevin's a good guy right Um, He has this box, and he's like, you know what? You know who really liked this box? My mom. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So he gives it to his mother as a present. She has had it for only five minutes when she has a stroke. This is a perfectly healthy woman up until now. The stroke partially blinded her, um, but aside from that, she was pretty okay. I mean, given that she had a stroke, shockingly, she didn't really want the box anymore. So she gave it back to Kevin and she said that there was like a a malevolence emanating from it. So something bad that same day, the FBI raided Kevin's shop. They searched the shop. They take some things with like from the shop. They leave without explanation or elaboration. He never found out why. And there could be no connection here, but there was never anything brought up outside of like, hey, the FBI randomly came into your shop and took a bunch of stuff, and that's it. But not the box, because he had the box. He then, again, being the nice individual that he is, the caring, considerate, and extremely intelligent individual that he is he's like you know what I'm gonna give it to my sister this box (sighs) my sister would love this box I'm gonna give it to her so she takes the box and she's like I don't really want this actually because she said that anytime she was near the box she would have this feeling of dread and fear and anxiety and that the box would open on its own when no one was around it would just like open by itself She also said that as soon as the box came into her house, she started having nightmares of a scary old woman, which, like, that's awesome. So obviously, she gave the box back to Kevin. Kevin still is not seeing a connection, allegedly. Either that or he just hates his family because then he goes, you know what? My brother and his wife would like this box. I shall give them this box. So he gives them the box. The wife said, it smells like cat urine. I don't want this thing here. Mm. It stinks. It's awful. And the brother says, "Mm, no, it smells like jasmine. Like, weird. Um, Weird. At that point in time, they start having horrifying nightmares, they said. And it was all always, the nightmares were always about this terrifying old woman And they said that they had paranormal phenomena that they didn't want to talk about and they refused to hold on to it for long. So Kevin has the box again and then decides to give it to his girlfriend. I'm not understanding what is happening here, Kevin. He gives it to his girlfriend, his girlfriend hates it she says it's scary you know it's opening on its own she's having nightmares it just feels evil she doesn't want it she refuses to keep it she's like take this back Kevin I don't want it so he decides you know what I'm just gonna go ahead and sell it so he brings it in the shop it sits there for a while a customer buys the box and that like it was like the very next day brings it back and says you have to keep this this box is evil there's something evil about this box. And he's like, what in the world is wrong with everybody but me? Like, I don't understand. Y'all are crazy. This box is just a box. Like he's still not getting it. He takes the box back and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to put it in my basement and we'll just leave it there because obviously, you know, bad investment on my part. And then he understands what's happening. He gets what everybody's saying. Kevin starts to experience what he calls the most potent nightmares he's ever had. And in these nightmares, he is stalked and attacked by a hunched over old hag. He has the nightmares for weeks. And then all of his visitors, like any, anybody that would spend the night at his house, they would have the nightmares every time they would be there. Now, at first, it was just the nightmares. But then after a few weeks of this, he would start waking up from the nightmares to find scratches White marks and bruises all over his body. He ended up talking to someone um, about these dreams because he's hoping to like, I, I guess maybe he hoped it was like some sort of like mental thing, like he was stressed or something. But he says, I find myself walking with a friend, usually someone I know well and trust at some point in the dream. I find myself looking into the eyes of the person that I'm with. It's then that I realize that there's something different, something evil looking back at me. At that point in my dream, the person I'm with changes into what only can be described as the most gruesome, demonic-looking hag that I have ever seen. This hag proceeds then to beat the living tar out of me.
0: Super scary. That's not creepy at all. That's just normal. It's just stress. stress. It's just stress. So, So. He's just tired. He's just tired.
1: Shortly after this, He starts to see indistinct, shadowy figures walking around his house. Guests in his home see them as well. And eventually everybody is too scared to be near him. Because they're always with him. They're in his shop. They're following him around. He can't get away from them. He gets bright and decides he can't keep it. He's like, I gotta get rid of this box. It is the box. So, he decides to sell it on ebay because that's what you do with your paranormal paraphernalia you sell it on Mm -hmm. ebay and he you know gives the listing like like all the information listing like the history of it you know it's an old box it's for wine this is what you'll get with it and then he says this i would destroy this thing in a second except i really don't have any understanding of what i may or may not be dealing with I am afraid, and I do mean afraid, that if I destroy the cabinet, whatever it is that seems to have come with the cabinet may just stay here with me. And I've been told there are people who shop on eBay that understand these kinds of things and specifically look for these kinds of things. If you're one of these people, please, please buy this cabinet and do whatever you do with a thing like this. Help me. He is petrified. So in 2003, a gentleman named, I don't know what his name is, his first name is spelled I O S I F.
0: Okay, yeah, okay.
1: we're gonna call him yep. Ian.
0: <laughs> call him, call him. Fredward. Fredward Nitzki. He purchases the box for
1: hundred and forty dollars. He gets the box, and immediately after getting the cabinet, the box, he is he says he's plagued with all sorts of weird things. Electronics in his house would malfunction or just stop working. Lights would turn on and off by themselves. Objects would be misplaced or moved around. And he all of a sudden was having strange smells of jasmine and cat urine in his apartment. So that's all well and good. And that can be, you know, explained away. And then he started seeing blurry spectral figures roaming around him all the time. At that point, all his hair falls out.
0: Oh, is that all?
1: That's all. And he had a sudden insect infestation in his home that came from nowhere. No one else in the neighborhood had any insect issues, um, but his house was just plagued with them. He has enough pretty quickly. He's like, nope. Can't handle this. What I thought was going to be this cool thing is not this cool thing anymore. So he puts the box back up on eBay. And a university museum curator and collector of religious paraphernalia named Jason Haxton, um, he buys it. Now, Haxton doesn't believe in this stuff. He collects the stuff simply because he finds people's beliefs and their cultures and stuff fascinating. But he believes in nothing. And he assumes he's going to get the box. It's going to be a good, like, conversation piece for the museum. um, But that's it. However, as soon as he gets the box, he starts to have a plethora of health issues He ends up with uh, inexplicable welts and rashes and hives all over his body. Constant coughing. Um, Severe fatigue and a metallic taste in his mouth. Um, He even starts coughing up blood for no reason. He goes to the doctors. They can't find anything wrong with him. They also say, or he also says that his home smells like jasmine and cat urine. I mean, so weird. He also starts to see figures. And all of a sudden, this man who wasn't a believer became a believer real quick. So he took the box to a paranormal specialists and religious leaders to figure out what to do with it. He did the research, he found out what a dipic is. Um, he found out what the you know, the whole reason it was sealed was because at some point in history, the box had been sealed by a religious um, figure to keep the entity trapped. So he takes it back to the specialist, he takes it to the religious leaders, and he gets it sealed again. Once the box is sealed, the paranormal happenings stop. Nothing else happens. And he buries the box, right? He keeps the location of this box a secret for a long, long time because he said that he wanted to find the right person to help it. He wanted the box to be, you know, cleansed, I guess. Whatever bad thing was there. He didn't want it to accidentally escape again. So he buries it. He keeps it a secret. But um, that didn't stay that way for long, which is stupid. So Jason lovely individual that he is, is offered tens of thousands of dollars for it by none other than Zach Idiot Face Baggins, because Zach Idiot Face Baggins wanted to open it, or not open it, but put it on display in his Las Vegas Haunted Museum. So he said he was never going to open it when he bought it, because it turned into this big thing because they were like, oh my gosh, this box, is resurfacing. Um, but he says, you know, he's never going to open it because he's genuinely afraid of what's inside and what will happen if he does open it. Um, he was going to put it on display at some point, but you have to be over the age of 18 and you have to sign a waiver in order to view it. However, at some point, Zack, idiot face, is hanging out with his bro, Post Malone, um, who is apparently an individual that I did not know about until recently. And they're in his haunted museum all by their little lonesome, you know, doing what bros do. Zach drinks a couple of beers, and they go and they take the case off the box, and he puts a hand on the box, and then Post Malone face puts a hand on Zach's shoulder, And as soon as it happens, he starts screaming. Post Malone face does. Zach idiot face starts crying. And the security footage, because there's like a security camera that they've got the footage of, shows them both stopping and running as fast as they can out of the building. Now they say that when they were running away, they saw dark shadowy figures... Suddenly in their like peripherals, you know, like they could see it out of the corner of their eye, which is how it started uh, for Kevin, uh, you know, Kevin of the intelligence. (sighs) (laughs) I just don't understand that man. Like, let's give it to everybody I love. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. He also like Post Malone face um, afterwards says that he had a huge bruise on his arm after that that he could not explain so they were you know they put the box back on it zach was like i wasn't going to open it i just wanted to like open the case i wasn't going to like break the seal blah 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 but then apparently there was this big thing this year and i didn't find out about this until we recorded the last episode where he was going to open the box on halloween only if he didn't get bad vibes oh my god this is why he earned the name zach idiot face but
0: he did not that's right thank god Thank goodness he didn't. Yeah, he did a four-hour live event. Where he didn't even open the On Halloween. And that was part of it was he was like, I might open it. But actually a lot of people on Twitter were like, dude, don't do it. You're an idiot if you do it. Yeah, don't do it. it. And he decided not to do it. He's like, I just don't feel right about it. I'm not going to do it. Not, I'm not that big of an idiot face. I'm just a small idiot face. I don't know. He's a pretty big idiot face. Every story. He's a pretty big idiot
1: face. Every story that I read that has him in it is like, and then young Mr. Zach Baggins entered the building and said, demons, possess me. And he was possessed. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Who does that? Like, anyway, that's the story of the Dybbuk Box. It is currently contained... I don't know how well it's contained, given that Zack Idiot Face has it. I think that if you get the right amount of money involved and the right amount of like attention on him,
0: he'd open it. Yeah, the fact that just a couple of beers with his buddy He was like, Let's do this, let's touch the case. He was like, Let's take the case off. I mean, that's very irresponsible. Irresponsible.
1: And you know who I blame for this? Jason. He should have left it buried. Nothing was happening. Yeah, and I mean, if he was worried about someone later digging it up, he could have like put a note on it, like, um, you know, fragile contents, do not open, contains demon, something. I don't know, like some yeah, sort of something. like, I don't know, or like put it in like cement or something. There you go,
0: like really, and then cel- bury it in the bottom of the ocean. Yeah,
1: do like like the old like mafia
0: movies, you know, like fly over an active volcano and just drop, drop. it. Boom. in. Boom, you're done exactly done exactly i wonder what that would do to it honestly i don't know i wonder if the demon lava if the demon would come out if the fire burned the case or i just wonder no idea don't want to find out nope it's interesting that's it yeah that's awful Mm -hmm.
1: it's pretty awful pretty unfortunate and i don't understand why kevin was one of, he, why he gave it to so many people. And he was just like, no, this is clearly unrelated.
0: Yeah. I, he's he's also an idiot no, face. All
1: idiot faces. All of them. You want to know who was right? The sister that was like, take this who? crap back. I don't want this in my
0: house. She had it for like less than a day. And she was like, take it back. Or just the granddaughter who's like, uh, no, thanks, Grandma. I, I'll keep your locket, but not this box. I don't like thanks. this box. It's
1: a weird box.
0: Well, that was awful. It was
1: that's all good job thanks (laughs) i tried (laughs) yeah (laughs) well guys if you you loved this episode do us a favor leave us a five-star rating and review on itunes or your favorite podcast listening app give us a shout out on instagram let us know that you're listening and we will shout you out on our instagram as well because we want to know that you're scared and we want to share this the fear with everybody else too so it's how we grow. That's right. It's all we want is to scare it's, people.
0: It's a safe fear. Safe though, fear. Because you're just hearing the story and then you're done. And you're out. You're not opening a divot box. That's right. Amen. So Hallelujah. It's fine. Don't open. Don't open. Those boxes. No. If someone tells you not to open a box, don't open the box. Don't open it. And I know we're coming up on Christmas. There's going to be all these boxes that are like, don't open until Christmas. Don't open those either. Don't open them. Until Christmas. Until Christmas. That's when the evil has passed. Yeah. That's (laughs) God's day. It's the Lord's day. Yes. (laughs) It's the Lord's day. So that's it. That's all I got. Okay. Well, that was fantastic. Glad we got this one done. Yeah. (claps) Moving on. All right, guys. To bigger and better and scarier things. Bigger,
1: better, scarier.
0: Well, have a fantastic weekend, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Girls and Ghouls. Don't forget to subscribe to Girls and Ghouls on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star review or tell us how scared you were on social media. You can tag us with hashtag GirlsandGhouls or tag us at GirlsandGhouls. Until next time, stay scared, friends.